Welcome to this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, hosted by me, Christina Simmons, who will be your guide for this audio online retreat that's going to be focused upon continuing to help you become the saint God created you to be. This retreat, we're going to be reading from the spiritual classic, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard. And it's going to include a brief reflection and daily resolution. It's designed to help you incorporate and live out that wisdom in your daily life. So, join with me now as we take our next step in our pilgrimage towards holiness. Welcome to day 64. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds today as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine, our patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're on the next to last piece this is the last section um you know before we do the epilogue tomorrow you're almost there uh so what is the final uh principle and hint that uh dom don baptiste gives us um and it's in regarding of course to uh having a devotion to our lady and he said yesterday that we were this is for our personal interior life and today it's for an effective apostolate so we begin whether it be the task of the active worker to rescue souls from sin or to make virtues put forth flowers in their souls his first objective must always be as with saint paul's to bring forth our lord in them now Bousquet says that god having once willed to give us jesus through the most blessed virgin there is no further change in that order it was she who brought forth the head, and so it is she, too, who is to bring forth the members. To isolate Mary <clears throat> from the apostolate would be to misconstrue one of the most vital parts of the divine plan. All the elect, says St. Augustine, are in this world hidden in the womb of the most blessed virgin, whereas they are cherished and nourished and fostered and reared by this good mother until such time as she brings them forth to glory after their death. And St. Bernadine of Siena justly concludes that since the Incarnation, Mary has acquired a sort of jurisdiction over every temporal mission of the Holy Ghost, in such a way that no creature receives any graces but through her hands. But the man with true devotion to Mary becomes all-powerful over the heart of his mother. And so what apostle can doubt the efficacy of his apostolate when, by his devotions, he can control the all-powerful mediation of Mary in the distribution of the merits of the precious blood? Hence, we observe that all great converters of souls are filled with an unusually powerful devotion for the Blessed Virgin. Are they out to free a soul from sin? <clears throat> what persuasive warmth is theirs? identified as they are by their horror for evil and their love of purity with her who has applied to herself the name of the Immaculate Conception. It was by the voice of Mary that the precursor recognized the presence of Jesus and leapt in the womb of his mother. What persuasive accents will Mary give to her true children that they may open to Jesus' hearts hitherto locked? 
What words come to the minds of those who are intimately united to the Mother of Mercies when they want to prevent souls that have long abused grace from falling into despair? Some unfortunate man does not know Mary. The assurance with which the Apostle shows her to be a true mother and refuse of sinners will open out new horizons to such a one. The holy curia of ours sometimes ran across sinners, blinded by delusions, who relied on some external practice of devotion to the Blessed Virgin to quiet their consciences and let them sin with greater freedom without fear of the everlasting flames of hell. <clears throat> in such cases, his words were of tremendous effect, both in bringing the guilty one to realize the monstrosity of this presumption, so insulting to the Mother of Mercy, and to make him use that act of devotion to implore the grace to get free from the crushing coils of the infernal snake. But in a similar situation, an apostle without much devotion to Mary will only succeed by his wounding, frigid words in making the poor drowning wretch let go of the last straw that might have turned into a force strong enough to keep him afloat until he reached safety. When Mary is living in the heart of her apostle, he will be guaranteed the use of the persuasive eloquence of our Blessed Mother herself, speaking in him and moving souls with whom all else has failed. It is apparent that our Lord, in a most beautiful delicacy of feeling, has left to the mediation of his mother the most difficult conquest of the apostolate, desiring that they should be accorded to no one but those who live in intimate union with her. Through thee he has reduced our enemies to naught. Never will the true son of Mary run out of arguments, of means, or even of expedience when it becomes necessary, in almost hopeless cases, to strengthen the helpless and give consolation to those who cannot be consoled. The degree that added the invocation, Mother of Good Counsel, to Our Lady's Litany, goes back to the titles of Treasurer of Heavenly Graces and Universal Consoler, which are Mary's due. Mother of good counsel, she only gives to those who are truly devoted to her, as she did at Cana, the secret of obtaining from God the wine of strength and of joy to distribute to men. But it is above all when the time comes to speak to souls of the love of God that this ravisher of hearts, as St. Bernard called her, the spouse of substantial love, places upon lips of her intimates the words of fire that enkindle love of Christ and bring into being, through that love, every other virtue. We apostles are bound to have a passionate love for her, whom Pius IX calls the priestly virgin, and whose dignity in every respect outstrips that of any priest or pontiff. And this love gives us the right never to give up any work as fruitless if we have once begun it with Mary, and are ready to keep on going in it with her. For Mary, as a matter of fact, is at the base and at the final peak of perfection of all things that have to do with the kingdom of God through her Son. But let us be careful never to delude ourselves that we are working with her if all we do is to erect altars and have a few hymns sung in her honor. What she is looking for from us is a devotion that will allow us to affirm in all sincerity that we live habitually united to her, that we have recourse to her counsel, that our affections pass through her heart, and that our petitions are frequently made through her. But the thing that Mary most of all expects of our devotion 
is the imitation of all the virtues that we admire in her and the unreserved abandonment of ourselves into her hands that she may clothe us with her divine son. On this condition of habitual recourse to Mary, we will imitate that general of the army of the people of God, who before marching against the enemy told Deborah, If thou wilt come with me, I will go. If thou wilt not come with me, I will not go. Not only will she be concerned in the principal decisions of our lives, but also with every detail of their execution, even the most unforeseen. United with her whose invocation, Our Lady of the Sacred Heart, sums up all her titles, we will never run the risk of ruining our works by allowing them to obstruct our interior life, to become a danger to our souls, and serve more for our own glory than for that of our God. On the contrary, we will go through our works to the interior life, and hence to an ever more and more intimate union with her, who will guarantee us the possession of her Son for all eternity. And so we conclude the soul of the apostolate. Tomorrow I will read the epilogue um, and have a few, a few more comments to make. But today, what is it that we must do? Habitually, we must unite ourselves and have recourse to Mary. We must be asking for intercession. But the biggest thing that Mary most expects is the imitation of all the virtues that we admire in her and unreserved abandonment of ourselves into her hands, that she may clothe us with her divine Son. How do we do that? Strive to grow in virtue each day. Have a resolution which helps you be able to put the Word of God into action in your life so that you may grow in virtue, and then trust it all to Mary. That's your resolution for today. And every day going forth, make a resolution that you are going to strive to put the word of God into effect in your life so that you may grow in virtue and trust that Mary will help you be able to do it. Know my continued prayers for each and every one of you. God bless and see you for one final day tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness so together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless.